Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your faithfulness never runs out. In the darkest corners of our souls, your light prevails. Your light pierces. Overwhelm us, Lord, with your presence. Pierce us with the Spirit and the Word of God today. Challenge us, Lord. Change us. May your glory be seen. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Kind of hard to get into sermon mode after a song that powerful. I have a super deep question for you to ponder right now in this moment. And here it is. This is going to be a problem for some of you. Um, if you had to introduce somebody famous or somebody that you deeply admire, who would it be and how would you do it? So just in that moment of complexity of who that famous person might be, turn to your neighbor and saying, I would introduce such and such and here's how I might do it. Go ahead, tell your neighbor, who that famous person might be. I hear so many names. Nice. All right, perfect. Let's come to order, because you're very excited about whoever it is you're about to introduce. So, how would you introduce somebody, if you were invited to the Oscars, how would you introduce that person? If you were invited somewhere, maybe, eh, maybe a football game, how would you introduce Taylor Swift? Because, you know, she is the reason. We all know this. It's all over that the Kansas City Chiefs are absolutely amazing right now. She's the only reason. Sorry, Swifties. There really is no greater person that is better at introductions than a guy by the name of Bruce Buffer. Many of you don't know this name, but you'll know his voice. And you'll recognize who he is as soon as you hear him giving his introductions. Take a listen. Presenting the reigning 
I had that talent. That would be amazing. I don't know how his voice lasts, but that's an introduction. I really think that uh, Forest Lake Academy needs to invite Bruce Buffer to introduce seniors at graduation. What do you think, Noah? Be pretty awesome, right? So changing gears, if you were the person that had to introduce Jesus, how would you do it? If that was your sole purpose, how would you go about introducing Jesus to the world? And we're going to be introduced to another guy by the name of John. His last name was Baptist, the Baptist. Don't know why they had names like that, but John the Baptist was a person who had the single purpose and job to introduce the Son of God, the Messiah, to the world. And we're still in this beginning of this series called, Who is This Man? And John the Baptist was the guy that was in charge of introducing this man called Jesus to the world. And so what Jesus said about John the Baptist is really interesting. No one in all of scripture has the compliment better than John the Baptist from Jesus himself. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, this is what Jesus said of John the Baptist. He says this, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So if Jesus is the one that's telling us that there is not one person in the world born of flesh that is greater than this man called John the Baptist, shouldn't we pay attention to his words? Jesus is calling him the greatest man to be born on earth. It's probably a good reason to spend a little bit of time on understanding who this guy was. Matthew chapter 3, we are formally introduced to John the Baptist. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. The people of Israel had not heard a voice quite like that, especially a prophetic voice, for 400 years. He dressed weird. He ate weird stuff. And he lived in the desert. It was remote, and it was a, a rugged area east of Jerusalem. And one word can summarize and sum up everything that John the Baptist ever preached. What is that one word? Anyone? Say it out loud. Be confident. That's it. If there was one word... 
that would summarize and sum up everything that John the Baptist preached about. It would be that single word, repent. And in fact, in, in Matthew, as he was probably a witness, the very first words to the first sermon that he had heard starts with the word in verse 2, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven, obviously, is Jesus. He's here. But I want to introduce you to him. And before I introduce you to him, he is saying, repent. So what is this repentance? At its simplest terms, repentance is to change one's mind. To change direction. In the New Testament, repentance goes far beyond just feeling sorry for your sin. It's repentance involves actively changing priorities and activities towards the direction of God and away from sin and distraction. Say that again. Repentance involves actively changing priorities and activities towards the direction of God and away from sin and distraction. So one of the best books I have ever read describing how all of the kingdom of hell is there to attack the soul of a man was from an author by the name of C.S. Lewis. He wrote a book called Screwtape Letters. And in that book, there is a older demon mentoring a younger demon. And the younger demon in this scenario is very excited and comes up to the older demon, his mentor, and he says, hey, the guy that we were after, guess what? He lost his job. What? Well, how? Well, I kept on getting him sick. And he lost too many days of work. And guess what? They fired him. He is miserable. Miserable. The older demon looks at him and says, what have you done? Do you know what happens when these humans suffer, they turn to that guy and they speak that guy's name and we lose. And he says, listen, in the future, mentoring demon, do this. Don't get them sick. Give them a promotion. Give them a raise. Put them in charge of things so that they're comfortable. Because if we can make them not depend on that guy, then we're good. Make them comfortable. And so we think that we have to be in the depths of sin in order to repent. And there's sometimes that we live in this complacency and comfortableness on this side of the world 
that we do not recognize the desperate need and focus on God and Jesus in our lives. It takes a hundred percent of our focus, a hundred percent of our action, a hundred percent of our priorities to pursue Jesus. And sometimes we have to reorient those priorities and adjust our life in order to focus our attention and put those spiritual blinders on towards Jesus and let go of some of the things that are holding us back. And those could be simple distractions that aren't even sins. It could be as simple as complacency. So here John is preaching this message of repentance. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Do you think that's a popular message to preach? If pastors got up and always reminded you of your sin, would you show up every week? Do you think people showed up to hear John? They had to travel a long way in a remote, rugged area to listen to this guy. So you think people showed up? Well, listen, we'll take a look at, uh, let the Bible be the um, determination of that. People went out, verse 3, verse 5, or chapter 3, verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem. So there's some people from Jerusalem and all of Judea, all of Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan. So biblical scholars, whenever I mention a biblical scholar, just know that that's not me. But biblical scholars have gotten together and they have figured out through the description of Scripture and through the geography and they've done kind of a survey of what the population would have been like in these areas. And when they attach the description to the population, there are biblical scholars who feel comfortable enough saying that there could have been tens of thousands of people who made the journey to travel to here a guy that was strangely dressed about repentance and a turn from your sin. And despite being in the wilderness, John had no trouble attracting the crowd. They came to him. And what was their response? This is crazy, crazy. What was their response? Matthew chapter six, or chapter three, verse six says this. They responded by confessing their sins. What? That's kind of awkward. Is he going to ask us to do that right now? Relax. Man, their response was confessing their sins. And then their action was baptism. And so this sounds a lot like when we were talking about for two and a half years almost answering the question of what is church? Do you remember in the early church they would get together, they would share testimony, and they would confess their sins to one another. And hear their response to a sermon on repentance. They said, I'm done with this. They would confess their sins and then they would go and be baptized. By John. In that time, the Jewish um, 
belief system in the early century, it really consisted mainly of legalism and meaningless rituals. And John's ministry and message kind of opposed this religious, these religious ceremonies. And I, I want you to listen in the next verse, when we jump to the next verse, to how bold John was. And remember, the, the theme of his message is repent. And he, here John was bold, and this is what he said to some of the religious leaders of Israel who came out. And it says, when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? It doesn't sound like a Jesus loves you sermon, does it? You group of poisonous snakes with your poisonous teachings? Pretty crazy. See, most Jews... Most Jews would have respected these religious leaders. And they would have respected them because of their piety, their education, their wealth, their influence. Most Jews would have respected that, but John saw past this appearance and he called them a brood of poisonous snakes. And then he challenges them. And he says this, he says, produce fruit, in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruits in keeping with repentance. If you want to produce fruit, start with turning from those things that distract you from God. Start from letting go of the sin that you're holding on to. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And so this crazy man is telling the most educated people in the land, you guys need to produce some fruit. Understand that these men at the age of 12 had the whole known Bible memorized as young boys. They knew it backwards and forwards, and here this wild man in the wilderness is telling them, produce fruits in keeping with repentance. And he goes on. He says, verse 10, the ax is already at the root of the trees. This sounds so familiar because Jesus says this in another way later, and we'll get to that. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. There's the warning. And he's speaking to these religious leaders. See, a tree's seeds determines what fruit it produces. We're here in Florida. If you want an orange tree, you have to take the seed of an orange tree and plant it because you expect the fruit to come out and it be an orange, right? And a person's heart 
determines what actions he or she produces. And if you are repentant and you're running to Jesus, Jesus is the one that cultivates the fruit that will be produced in you through relationship over and over and over again. God was not fooled, or God is not fooled by religious acts with no real heart change. If we want to get a little bit closer to home, you know that coming to church once a week with no heart change and no pursuit of Jesus can also be known as a religious act. Once a week is not enough. It is your whole life shifts priorities to seek and pursue a relationship with Jesus. And you start with repenting and letting go and pursuing God 24-7 of your life. What God expects of his people is good fruit. Repentance is where we begin. And the gospel produces that fruit. Verse 11 is the ultimate result of repentance. They confess their sins. Then they were baptized. And John looks at the crowd in verse 11 and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one. You haven't seen him yet. Either have I. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He tried to turn their attention to the greater one, not himself. If I ever stand in front of you and you know more about my life and I haven't pointed enough to Jesus and you walk away learning more stories about myself, I have not done a good job standing before you. If you are a follower of Christ wherever you go, and people know you, and you personally, and whatever it is that you do, and you have not pointed them to Jesus, we have not done what we're called to do as introducers of the man, Jesus. And John was so humble that even at the point of his personal disciples leaving to follow Jesus and people coming up to him trying to start a bunch of drama, he said, you know what? I must decrease and he must increase. Our life is to decrease and to give him the increase over and over and over again. And so John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But Jesus says, but then he says, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And listen to this. John's baptism prepared people for God's kingdom. Jesus' baptism initiated people into his kingdom. Two baptisms, two purposes. All for the glory of God. Jesus calls John the Baptist 
the most important man to have ever been born of flesh. The greatest man. And he had only one job, and that was to introduce Jesus to the world with a single word, repent. Repent. So I ask you, what is the one thing you are holding on to that you need to repent from? I don't have to go down a whole list of things because I believe in the power of the Spirit of convicting whatever it is it is that you are holding on to that is pulling you away from Jesus. What are you holding on to? What must you repent and change direction and change priorities towards Jesus? And let's not go through the huge list because I have a huge list. Just pick one thing. Start with one. I don't know if you've ever heard of the name Eddie Penny. I had neither. And I was wasting time watching reels on Instagram. And man, this testimony pierced me of this guy named Eddie Penny. Former Navy SEAL on um, SEAL Team 6 gave his life over to God. And I have a very edited version of the four-hour interview that you can find on YouTube. And yes, I ended up watching all four hours. I was sucked into his story. And I want you to see a very hardened, trained killer of what repentance can do to change a man. So take a listen to this testimony. I never thought I could be forgiven, you know, forgive of your sins. I'm like, man, I've killed more people. I've done things that most people don't even dream of, think of. They have the bonfire and like they give you this like little post-it note. Like, hey, the things that you want to get rid of, write down what you want to get rid of. I'm putting down, I wanted my drinking to go away. I wanted my anger to go away. I want a direction on how to be a good father. I didn't want to be a slave to watching porn on the freaking internet. I wanted to be there for my family. I didn't want to be absent. I wanted peace in my brain from the stuff that we went through overseas. I just want to be a better man. And I'm just like, this is stupid, it's a piece of paper, blah, 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 nothing's gonna change. You know when you're a kid, something you're not supposed to do. And you're down on yourself. And your mom or dad or a family member, or maybe even a close friend comes up to you and embraces you, pat you on the head and say, hey man, it's okay, it's all right. We all make mistakes. That's what God did to me. Right. Right then and there. That's what he did to me. I could feel it. That's an awkward clap, but you can clap. That was amazing testimony.
let your repentance be a witness to the world to what God has in store for your life. As you sing this song, let the Holy Spirit carve out whatever it is you are holding on to. Let Him carve it out of your hands and just release it in absolute faith over to God. What is that one thing that you're holding on to that you need to repent of to pursue Jesus with 100% of your life? Father God, I just ask to the power of your spirit. You are the one that transforms. You are the one that gives us new life. And Lord, we want to give 100% of our life to you. And there are some in here that are, they're holding on to things that are ultimately not fulfilling. Whether it's holding on to a lie, holding on to some kind of ambition, holding on to not being able to forgive, holding on to a pet sin. Let surrender in this place happen. And may the repentance be the witness to the world of what you can do in broken people. Pray this in your name.